to practice together and support each other in practice. You never know on Sunday whether we'll have six guests or 45 guests. How was it to uh, be in charge of the Zendo? Peaceful. Oh, good. I'm glad it was peaceful. You were doing what? You were abbot. And what was, and what was it like to be abbot? They did. <laughs> so I'm going to, we have, we have a number of people absent doing uh, various things. So we just got news that um, Soten completed about half an hour ago his 100 mile run. He did not throw up once. 28, hour, 28 and a half hours, something like that. And Sinead said she ran the last 20 hours with him. I mean, 20 miles with him, not 20 <laughs> hours, 20 miles with him. And that she couldn't keep up with him. Then he got this burst of energy at the end, and he, he was left her in the dust. So he'll be very happy, I think. But they're going to sleep now. <laughs> So I'm going to talk about a koan. I think, you know, I have to consider with the rest of my life energy, what do I do? And I think talking about koans is important. Hogan's been talking about the uh, koans from the Gateless Gate, from the Muon Khan downtown, each week on Thursday night. And I'm going to talk from the next collection of koans that people usually work with, which is the Blue Cliff Record, Hekigan Roku named after a scroll that um, a teacher of old had in his room who helped with the compilation of these koans. And it said the blue cliffs. So this is case 86, Uman's, everybody has their own light. This is an introduction by Ingo. Ingo wrote these introductions 100 years after the koan collection was put together. And his hope was to help make them more accessible to people. Uh, whether that make, whether the, he succeeded, I don't know. You can see. Does it make the koan more accessible or does it make it more intellectual? So I'll read you the main case and then I'll read you the introduction. The koan. Uman spoke to his assembly, so just like this, but many more people probably, and said, everybody has his own light. If they try to see it, everything is darkness. What is everybody's light? And because he didn't get a response from his disciples, later, in the place of the disciples, he said, the halls and the gate. And another translation is the kitchen pantry and the main gate. And again, he said, blessing things cannot be better than nothing. Blessing things cannot be better than nothing. So the, the basics of, of the koan, I go back over again, but here's Ingo's introduction. Controlling the world, he allows not the least speck of dust to escape. So you have to consider what world is he talking about? Is he talking about the world of the mind? Controlling the world, he allows not the least speck of dust to escape. So what is that speck of dust in the mind that can escape and cause trouble? He cuts off the diluted stream of thought, leaving not a drop behind. If you open your mouth, you're mistaken. If you doubt for a moment, you have missed the way. Tell me, what is the eye that has pierced the barriers? 
and he says, see the koan. Everybody has their own light. So what helps with the koan is to reduce it down to its essence. A lot of words are thrown into koans to confuse us, to trap the mind into its habitual way of thinking. And again and again, people get trapped in, in their habitual way of thinking when they work with koans. Everybody has their own light. So we could reduce it to everybody has light, or everybody is light, or everybody, or light. And you can, when you work with a koan, often you work with each, in your, in your own work, you work with each word separately. So everybody, everybody has their own light. So what does this everybody mean? Does that everybody, does it mean everybody without exception? Does it mean Hitler? Does it mean, you know, uh, Genghis Khan? who slaughtered tens of thousands of people? Does it mean certain politicians that we might not disagree with? So what does this everybody mean? Everybody has their own light. And then has, does that mean, you know, how do you get it? Is it a possession that you have? And when do you get it? And who gives it to you? And can it be taken away from you? So the word has has all kinds of implications that can be explored with with the mind. This is actually, yesterday we went to a all-day workshop with Byron Katie who talks about inquiry in the mind. Inquiring, using the mind to inquire about the mind, what the mind is saying. So this is just another form of it. Has, everybody has. What does that mean? How long have they had it? Did they have it when they were born, before they were born? Does it go out when they die? Did somebody like a Zen master or Byron Katie give it to them? So the word has can be explored quite a bit because has has all these implications in our mind, positive and negative. Everybody has their own light. You could look, you look at their own, their own. Does that mean everybody has a different light, different kind of light? Or does everybody have the same light, but they have it in different portions? And then light, what is, what's this light she's talking about? So I would ask you, what is your experience of that light? Not your understanding of that light, but what is, do you have a direct experience of that light, of people having light, their own light? So there, there's no one answer, there's no right answer. Because every koan has, can be seen at different levels. So, What's your experience of everybody has their own light? What's your experience of that light? Do you have an experience of that light within people? Or people holding it, or people exuding it, or people sharing it? Or so again, we don't want to go up into the mind. We want to drop into, close your eyes. Do you have an experience of that light within yourself or within anybody else? And if so, what is it? 
A fish's experience of water, meaning? Expand a bit. It's everything. Uh-huh. It's everything. Then how are we to become aware of it if it's everything? Uh-huh. Or it could be, you could say, it's impossible to become aware of it because we are it. And we can't step out of it and say, whoa, there it is, I see it, right? Because we are it. But you could also say it's impossible not to be aware of it. So experience of that light. What's your experience? You just gave me an understanding, but what is your experience of that light? Uh-huh. Can you describe how it appears to you when you're doing this? Like a palace? So the light, describe the light. What is it? Is it light? Is it like, oh, th- those lamps have are light, lighted? Is it like that? Knowingness. Knowingness. So the walls are knowingness? Or only people? Everything is knowingness. And where does that knowingness originate? Within knowingness. So then we're getting into puzzling, puzzling things. I want to get into something concrete. What, what does it mean to you in a concrete sense? Everybody has their own light. Have you, have you experienced that light in some people? Receptivity, openness, kindness. Everybody has their own core of kindness. Uh-huh. Receptivity, usually we think of light as this way, right? Coming out. But for you, it's more receptivity. Hmm. I see. Uh huh. So some people have a space within them and are more receptive, and then you can see the light, which is what? Which is space. Okay. Anybody else? Uh huh. So how do you experience that? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of vibrating energy. And it could be called light. How do you perceive it with what sense organ? My entire body. The entire body. Uh-huh. And uh, do you perceive it within yourself? Yeah. Oh, good. I was hoping you weren't excluded from everybody. See, that's what we tend to do. We tend to exclude ourselves from everybody. Well, everybody has their own light, and isn't it beautiful? And, but we forget about ourselves. Do we have that light? Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. I mean, we could talk about this at length. 
I used to ask, when I used to teach Dharma school here, I would ask kids, we, would, we sang a little song and it talked about light, everybody having their own light, and I would ask the kids if they had siblings there in the room, so what about your brother, what's his light? And you know, they would go, eh, and I'd say, no, come on. Well, does he have any special qualities that you really enjoy or like or appreciate? And they would come up with something, you know, like, well, he gave me his old Legos or something. <laughs> oh, generosity, okay, so he's generous. So it could mean talents, right? Everybody has their own light. People, everybody has their own talents and their own beautiful qualities, whether it's kindness or generosity or patience or wisdom, you know, lots of beautiful qualities. Uh, we just, uh, we call them paramitas sometimes, six or ten paramitas. But there are infinite, infinite talents that people have that shine forth and benefit the world. Sometimes it could just be being quiet. Sometimes it could be being a mediator, Somebody who mediates in conflict and reduces conflict. So it could have that implication, does it? Okay. Well, Onshin said even with people who are difficult, still he can perceive that vibration. Well, that's why you take out have. I mean, you question have, but then you drop it out and see. Because I remember when I said have, does that mean somebody gives it to you, or you can take it away? Or, yeah. Wonderful. If I close my eyes, most of life goes away. Does it all go away? Is it totally black when you close your eyes? Everybody try it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So maybe that's a hint. So we're not supposed to answer, I'm not supposed to answer a call-in for you. I'm supposed to get you intrigued enough, which you are, when you say, I have no idea what this is talking about. Uh-huh. No, I'm not saying it's a good thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But you're talking more about a, a physical light, like in light pollution. Maybe it's not a physical light. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So... Okay, so just be patient a little bit. Maybe you'll get some hints. Mm-hmm. All right. So one, one way to understand it is that everybody's unique, right? Everybody has their own unique talents and abilities, and hopefully they have a chance to share that with the world or with some, even one other person. So even if you're a twin, identical twin, you're still unique. That's very clear. Everybody's unique, and it would be horrible, as I often say, 
if we were all the same person. So if this whole room were filled with you, and all of Klatskanai and Estory or wherever you live, all, the only person you met was you, what would that be like? Terrible. Yeah. That means it would be really, really boring and then eventually very irritating. Right? So the uniqueness is something we love. It's endearing. It's intriguing that everybody's different. It's also frustrating because we actually want people to agree with us about everything. <laughs> You know, to agree with our opinions about everything. And we get, we get upset or angry if people don't. So it's at the same time endearing and intriguing and wonderful that everybody's different, and it's the same at the same time can be very distressing. So we're born into uniqueness. So that could be one way of looking at this. We each have our own right, our own life our own life to live. No one can live our life for us. Our lifetime is completely unique. It will never be lived again by anybody. So we're born into this beautiful separation. And then we're lonely because of it. So it's a source of wonder and love and intrigue. And it's also a source of frustration and Loneliness and the disconnect, the feeling of disconnection. Nobody understands me. Well, that's true. Partly because we don't understand our own minds. Partly because we don't understand ourselves, then we can't make ourselves known to anybody else. We're not transparent. We're dense. Mm -hmm. So everybody has their own light, could refer to this unique quality this unique, beautiful quality and frustrating and distressing quality. Ingo says, um, if you try to see it, everything is dark. Oh no, the main, the koan says, if you try to see it, everything is darkness. Everybody has their own light, but if they try to see it, everything is darkness or one translation is dark and dim. So one way of seeing this is during retreat, a long retreat, or even during a sitting period, at first we have to put in a lot of effort. I really want to see this. I would like to see my own light, or I'd like to see the emptiness within, or I'd like to find the source of stillness within, or I'd like to find the silent place within. You know, we have many different ways we direct people. I'd like to stay with my breath, not lose track of my breath. So at first we have to put in a lot of effort. And usually the first few days of a retreat, people are working really hard. I know I could be clearer. I know I could be kinder. So this is what Ingo is talking about. Allows not a, a, the least speck of dust to escape. But to be so concentrated that the mind doesn't wander off all the time. To cut off the diluted stream of thought, leaving not a drop behind. And of course, when we open our mouth, we're mistaken. Because the minute we open our mouth, we're separating. We're separating from everybody else, because other people have other opinions and ideas. We think we're connecting, but actually, silence is, in a way, more connecting than speech. I'm sure you've all had the experience where you're sitting with somebody you love, 
and you're sitting in silence and you can just, the love is palpable. And then one of you says, I really love you. And that kind of cuts it. You know, then the other person thinks, oh, do I have to say that too? Mm-hmm. It's like, then, then suddenly it's like shattered. Or you're looking at a beautiful sunset all together and everybody's got their eye, like we have these beautiful sunsets outside. Everybody's got their eyes on the heavens and just rejoice. And some, sometimes we do, we call, call around the monastery, sunset alert, and everybody goes out to look. And, and then you're looking at it, and you're looking at it, and then somebody says, that's really a beautiful sunset. So that shatters the experience. The words shatter the experience. And put the experience in a box, in a human box. When the mind was this way, and then, wow, that's really a beautiful sunset. And then immediately, well, I've, I saw a more beautiful one in Hawaii five years ago. You know, and then blah, 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 blah. So talking, we think, connects us, and it can, but it often, often separates us. And it separates us, not only from each other at times, but it also separates us from the essence. We call it darkness, we could call it the light. We call it the emptiness, the spaciousness, the flow, Buddha nature, original nature, God within, whatever we call it, talking, as the dilemma of giving a Dharma talk, talking often separates us. So ideally, a Dharma talk directs you back to it, but may not. And we know that when we're sitting and our mind is really quiet and clear and we're following the breath and we're open to the beauty of the crickets and the floor and the peacefulness in the room, and then our mind says, I better get gas on the way home. That shatters it, right? And we got to work to get back to that peaceful place. So this is some, something of what Engo is pointing out. And then we all know from retreat to at a certain point, all the effort gets in the way. All the effort gets in the way, and we have to drop the effort and see, then can my peaceful mind maintain itself? Yes or no? If no, we go back to concentration practice. If yes, then we cruise for a while until it changes, always changes. So in Zen, this is called holding fast and letting go. So at first, we have to hold fast to the mind. Examine the mind, quiet the mind, concentrate the mind, one-pointed awareness, bring peace, peace, an awareness of peace into the mind, bring loving kindness into the heart mind, and so on. So at first, there's this effort, and often a lot of effort involved. But then at a certain point, we let go, and it continues by itself. One of my students I had a long time ago took up Tibetan practice after she moved, and she was doing mantra, or, or I think a, maybe a week of mantra practice, at least a weekend of mantra practice. And she said after the second day, she wasn't doing the mantra anymore. The mantra was doing her. The mantra just took over. And it was just part of her awareness, her activity, everything. Excuse me. So that's what we're talking about. Holding fast and letting go and letting go into what? 
So we could uh, also flip the koan. Byron Katie has you flip things, right? You could flip it by saying not just everybody, but everything has its own might. So then we examine that. Is that true? Is it only people who have this light? Or does everything have, the, have, it, have that light? We could also flip it by saying everyone or everything has their own darkness and explore that. What is that darkness? That darkness that everything emerges from and to which it returns. It's very interesting. We fear darkness. When I, when I was young, up till about the age of 13, we lived in a house that had a basement. And you couldn't, you had to turn out the light at the bottom of the stairs. So you're down in the basement getting something, and then you turn out the light, and then you run as fast as you can up the steps because there's monsters down there, right? And even, you know, when you get to the age of reason, like 13, still it's like, <laughs> and you go a little faster up the steps. And you know it's crazy. But there's that fear of darkness. So why are we afraid of darkness? Why are we afraid of darkness? If it's our home, which we return to every time we go to sleep, right? Often we re most often we return to it in gratitude. We return to that darkness at night. Isn't it a relief to let go at night of being a particular light, a special light, an especially brighter, talented light? It's a relief to let that whole person go and go into the darkness as you go to sleep. I, I think it's wonderful just to let go of it all and go to sleep. It's very hard work being a person, especially a special person, a unique person, If they try to see it, everything goes dark and dim, says Engo. So we question, who am I or what am I? What is my place in the world? We use those questions to bring our mind into focus. I must leave my mark on the world. I must be the pre best president this country ever had. Something we've heard quoted. Can we let go of all of that and just step into the darkness of not being? Or not being this particular person? To know the darkness intimately, the darkness beyond thought, and to make it the core of our being. And then, as our chant says, within darkness there is light, but do not look for that light. So to step out of being this particular person and into the darkness, and then what happens? So then the part two of this koan, so I'm not going to answer this koan. <laughs> I hope that's not your hope. <laughs> But I'm just throwing out clues. So if it intrigues you, you can work with it. So 
And the second part of the koan is when um, Uman speaks to the assembly and asks this question. Everybody has their own light. Where is that light? What is everybody's light? And in a way, he's asking them, show your light. Let me see your light. What is your experience of that light? Can you show it? I mean, Kenyo did, this is, this is how you work with koans. You show your experience. You don't answer with words. You show your experience of that light. And there are many ways to show it. So he's asking that, of, he's demanding that of his assembly. And then nobody dares to step forward. So then later he says, the main gate and the pantry and the kitchen. Whoa, he's not even talking about people. He's talking about a gate and the pantry. So is there light in the pantry? You could all go look. We'll shut you in there and you can see. Where does that light come from? I don't mean the light leaking under the door. Is there light in darkness? Something we explore when we do our grasses and trees session and we sit in the forest in the dark. Although I heard for this grasses and trees, the moon, it was full moon, so <laughs> there was a bright light in the forest. And we love the moon. Why do we love the moon? We love things that give light. Why is that? Is that a reflection of what this koan is talking about? That everyone has their own light. So there's a couple of practices that I recommend uh, that are related to this koan that you can try. One, one way is to look at the light as each person's unique qualities, and that's, that's not not the light, if that makes sense. So that, that isn't incorrect. That each person emerges from the darkness into this world as a unique person with unique gifts. So to appreciate that. So I gave this talk downtown on Thursday, and I recommended as a practice to carry forward that for one week, at least one week, to when you're with people, to appreciate their essential quality and to thank them for it. So to look for their essential quality and thank them for it. For example, my one of my colleagues in medicine, when her father died, she said that uh, in the in the speeches that people gave about him. The, it really centered around one quality, which was integrity. So the other day, I uh, was, I, so I really like this word integrity. What does it mean to be integrated into what? So the other day, um, I was looking for an exercise cycle because I need it for my knee, recovery from knee surgery. And I, on Craigslist, I found two. And I decided on one. and. But I had written the first person to say, you know, is it still available? And that person wrote back and said, I'm holding it for you. Somebody else has inquired about it, and I'm holding it for you if you still want it. So I wrote back and said, no, I found another one that's closer to where I do my physical therapy. But thank you for writing me. Thank you for your integrity. And she, I think she was surprised because she wrote back, and she was just delighted that I had used that word. 
I mean, she didn't say it, you know, exactly, but you could tell. She was like, whoa. Um, so the assignment would be for one week, at least once a day, with one person that you encounter, to thank them for their light in the form of their unique quality. So we thank people. We say, oh, thank you for doing this for me, and thank you for doing that for me, and thank you for cleaning the zendo. But that's not the quality. That's an action. Do you understand the difference? The quality would be generosity, maybe, or I don't know. You, you, that's part of discerning. What is the quality that I really appreciate in this person? And then thank them for it. So that's one practice you can do with this. And it is directly related to this koan. Each person has their own light. Each person exemplifies different unique qualities. And I was telling people downtown, and it applies up here, that you can embody the light in many ways. So you could, for instance, if the entrance gate has its own light, then you could be the greeter, right? You can light the way for people into the, who especially who are new, to come into this place of practice and illuminate it for them so it's not scary, it's not frightening. Or you could bring tea and cookies. Oh, that's the light in the pantry. So right now we have people down there. One person. One person, yeah. We had more, now we have one, who are the light in the kitchen and are going to bring the light in the form of lunch. And then another way, which is another level in this koan, is to look directly for the light. So an example I often use is look down at the darkest part of the zabutan that you're sitting on. So look at a place where it's shadowed. Look at the darkest part. And I can look at my robe, which is black and dark. And then really look at it, soften your gaze. Is it dark? Or in the case of the Zabatons, are they dark navy blue? What do you see? Sparkle. Yeah? Other people see that? That is not just uniform dark navy blue? And my robe is not uniform black, black, black? So there's a sparkle that you can see sometimes. Now close your eyes in what we call the darkness when I close my eyes, because we don't pay attention actually to what we see when our eyes are closed. Do you see that sparkle? So then you get intrigued. Oh, is this what they mean by the light? And where can I see it? So look at the wall. Is the wall, Dano painted these walls, a kind of um, cream color, right, Dano? The walls, you painted them a cream color? You painted these walls a kind of cream color? Yes. Yeah, okay, so I'm asking everybody to look at the wall and see, is it a uniform cream color, or are there any 
other colors or bits of light or dark in the wall. What do you see? Uh-huh. But if you look at the uniform part, which you would call cream, where there's no shadow, is it uniform cream? Anybody can answer. What do you see? Flecks. Flecks. What color? Grays. Mm -hmm. Do you see flecks of, of yellow? Blue? Red? I don't know. Everybody's experience is different. But it is not. We say, oh, the walls are cream, and then we don't look at them anymore. But they're not cream. Right? They're not a uniform cream color any more than the then the Zabotan is a completely uniform navy blue. There's all kinds of things happening down there. It's like, ah, <laughs> that could be dangerous. I don't know. <laughs> so this is what our practice asks us to do, is look more closely and not just dismiss things as, oh, this is this, and that's that, and that person is, has this quality which I hate, and this person annoys me, but to really, really look closely. What light do people have? And what about light and dark? Really look. Hogan, when he, Hogan often has trouble sleeping, which distresses, most people are very distressed if they don't sleep. I am, because I'm used to falling asleep in about 30 seconds. Um, but he's often awake in the night, and he just practices. And mostly what he practices with is watching the darkness. what we call darkness, and watching what he actually perceives, what is actually perceivable in the dark. So the beautiful thing is there's practice available night and day, wherever we are. We can look at anything and ask, what is, do I see any light? What is the light? What is the light in this person? So everyone has their own light. Maybe everything has its own light which means that you have your own light. No one is excluded. And when you cut off the diluted stream of thought, then that light begins to emerge and be visible or palpable. And it can be quite delightful. So please continue to practice with this light. So these two practices that I mentioned, looking for the light in each person and then at least once a day complimenting someone on their essential quality, unique quality, and then being very curious about light and dark. Is dark really dark? And is light, like light cream color, is it really light? And then be curious about if you're if you see that sparkling quality, what is that? Where is it? And then whatever your light is, your light is, please let it emerge and bring benefit in the world.